Welcome back to the Gentle Counselor podcast. My name is Crystal and I provide online resources to support the mental health and well-being of parents and children. For those of you listening to this episode right now, this episode is going to be a little bit different to what is typically on the Gentle Counselor podcast and that is because back in October we had World Mental Health Day and I had some lovely friends come together as guest speakers in a private group called the Aussie Mums Mental Health Virtual Event. So the format of the episodes are going to be a little bit different, but you're going to hear back the replay of my interview with the amazing speakers on a variety of topics. So stay tuned for these episodes because they're packed full of goodness. For those that aren't familiar with Amanda, her page is uh, Spilt Milk Psychology, which in itself is just an amazing title. And she's really passionate about Mm -hmm. um, infant feeding and mental health and supporting mothers and families in their, you know, those normal common parenting challenges that we all go through, especially um, in early parenting challenges. So in your experience, Amanda, what are some of the common challenges that mothers come to you about? Well, heaps. So so as um, as you were saying, I work in private practice here in Brisbane um, and I work with mums antenatally um, as well as postnatally and with fertility difficulties and things as well. But probably um, I think the biggest area um, and what might be nice for us to talk about today is potentially that idea of emotion regulation, which is Mm -hmm. how we feel about our feelings. Um, Because I think so much of motherhood, it's a time where we... It, le- it opens us up to our emotional experiences and it, there's a lot of intensity around emotions and regulation is such a huge part of the maternal experience because you need to regulate not just you, but you're co-regulating. You're trying to, your emotions are bouncing off the emotions of this other little human and that those processes become so intertwined. So little kids have really big feelings, um, mm. but it means that mothers have really big feelings and parents have really big feelings too. Mm. Um, so I think that... Across the board, most experiences that I have with families is we're we're dealing with some form of regulating emotions, whether it's um, big feelings of overwhelm um, or hopelessness or feeling confused and lost, um, that there's so many shifts and changes that happen in this time. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like you were saying, our kids are going to experience those big emotions and it's so hard sometimes when you're in it with them and you're getting triggered and your emotions are starting to rise and you feel it coming. But um, it's that, it's that constant practice of having to regulate ourselves so that we can remain calm for them in those moments that they're finding really hard. Um, And I know that's something we talk about a lot and it's just constantly figuring out what works, what doesn't work. And then, you know, you can't predict how our children are going to respond. And there's all these yeah. layers that come into it. But like you are saying, if we can at least start by regulating ourselves, that's a really good starting point. Yeah, that's often the biggest challenge is because, you know, a dysregulated person can't regulate a dysregulated person. So, you know, I yeah. can't. We need to be, when our kids go up, it's so easy to get into that escalation mm. trap where they go big and we go bigger and you get stuck like yes. this. Um, and the thing is, is they don't give a shit. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your... You're your allowed, screen. just people need to know. <laughs> but, but it's like, You've got it's little like ears around kids, you to see my 
yeah, they've 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 got they've got less um less to lose. Like they they do not have any awareness of the impact of consequences or those sorts of yeah. things. So they are willing to raise the stakes. So you will never out escalate a child. Um, so it's it's that thing. Of going, if that's a, if that's the dance that you get into, it's really hard mm-hmm. to win. Um, and it's that that understanding of the easiest way to bring them down. Because what we try and do is we come up and over with the intent yeah. of bringing them down like if I you know if they've gone up I need to go in big and hard yeah. which is often why we over escalate where yeah. often what's much more powerful is if you can hold that calm in the chaos then if they go up and down and you're okay then it doesn't actually it's not as triggering when they go up because you're not trying to work out how am I going oh they've gone up really big now I'm going to have to go even bigger is mm. that if you're here and they go up and down and they aren't so intertwined it's you can hold that calm so that when yeah. they go up, you can bring them back down to meet you. Yeah. But it's um, it's one of those things. It's it's so easy to say and so hard to yes. do. It's like parents yeah. come in and it's like, you know, the parenting book says, you know, talk to your child in a calm and even tone. <laughs> and it's like, if I could do that, I wouldn't be reading a freaking parenting book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're like, but how do I be calm? It's like, what that, is a calm tone? <laughs> like that, yeah. that's the hard bit, right? Is is maintain that? How do I? And it's that that challenge as well and I find myself talking so much about this lately about the difference between looking calm Mm. and being calm Mm -hmm. that so many parents will parent their children in a way where they're like I need for them to feel like I'm calm so I need to you know talk slowly be you know do this and do that and it's like no they don't need for you to look calm they need for you to be calm and Mm. that's what you need as well because so many parents push through parenting in this state of wanting their children to have the experience of having a calm and regulated parent so they work out how to look like a calm and regulated parent yeah. um, meanwhile inside going <laughs> and yeah. it's, I don't, this is so much easier if you actually are okay rather mm-hmm. than pretend pretending to be okay <laughs> so yeah because so you, you can't fake it because you're you're not capable of faking it in a way that's actually going to be genuine or help you do those conscious choices that you need to make in that moment anyway, because you're dysregulated. Um, and so what are some and of And even if you can tips? fake it, you can fake it for this long. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. 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 And you're going to be heightened anyway. So what are you going to do? Just remain heightened in that state all day. That's not going to be beneficial to anyone. And then the next little thing that happens, you're already like out of 10. And so you're just going to yeah. keep exploding so much more easier. Yeah. And you hear that, like, so many parents feel like they go from zero to 100. And yeah. so you didn't go from zero to 100. It's you you held it together, you held it together, mm-hmm. you held it together mm-hmm. until it exploded out. But that's because you weren't okay. You were pretending to be okay, pretending to be okay, and then the shell broke um, yeah. because of the pressure just gets too much. So it is that thing. You, it, it needs to be an actual practice of where you um, are looking after yourself rather than pretending to look after yourself. Mm, yeah <laughs> which is yeah so it is that thing is rather than it's like okay talk to them as though you're calm it's like no calm yourself down actually yeah lean into being calm what do you need so that you're actually doing what you need mm. to do um, yeah we don't have to rush into responding to our children straight away yeah. that's actually not yeah. the most important thing in that moment the most important thing is to calm ourselves first so we're coming mm. from that place first yeah yeah and it is those things is like there is it can feel so urgent i think in in mm. in parenthood we can feel that pressure to be responding to things or you know, everything's a teachable moment all these sort of ideas which are, are true but it's also recognizing that value that 
nothing is as urgent as because there's very few things, very few things in life really that can't wait for a breath. Yeah. You know, there's very little that, that can, and even in the rush and the busyness of the day to day, there's very little that will not benefit from you just stopping and taking a moment. And, mm. um, particularly if you're really struggling, um, that when we want to be really responsive to our kids, when we want to be available to them, we can feel that tension of being present all of the time and being so present for them that we forget that we need to be present for ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. And the reality of it is, is that no child, no child has ever come to harm because a parent took a moment. No damage has yeah. ever been done because a parent took a moment. Damage does happen when we do not offer ourselves that grace to give ourselves a moment. And whether that means leaving your child when they're in a state of distress, they're not going to break if you take a moment to calm, to, to calm yourself. That they can wait, they can wait for a breath so that you can be okay and you will do so much more for them. That that's a part of responsive parenting because mm. resp- parenting is a relationship. So if you're really parenting in a responsive way, you need to be responding to both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know one of the things that we talk about a lot at Spilt Milk Psychology is parenting yourselves alongside your children. Yeah. And, um, that idea of breathing for you as well as for them because so much and and you know we need to do that. So that's the work of therapy is learning how to parent yourself because sometimes it involves a lot of reparenting um, mm-hmm. because how we parent often brings up so much for us about how we were parented. Um, either by our parents but also by the world because we're not yeah. parented just by our parents. We're parented by the culture that we live in, by our education system, um, by our extended family, our peers all play that role in shaping that self. Mm. Um, so a part of it, especially if you want to parent in a way that was different to how you were parented, you have to parent yourself through it because you cannot be, you cannot give what you do not have. Um, so if you want to parent mm. that way, you need to parent yourself self first and as well yeah and i think that even brings into one of the myths i guess about if you want to be taking more of that uh whatever whichever term you want to give it like gentle or attachment or conscious parenting we're not expecting you to be perfect and have all the answers in that moment when you're responding to your child and your kid like they're not predictable anyway so you can't possibly have all the answers for that specific situation but you can at least have an idea of sort of like a format of like steps to take like okay step one calm myself first am i regulated (laughs) am i in a space where i can actually respond in a way that's helpful not harmful because like you said we can't just try to go on top and squash down that doesn't work that's what most of us have experienced and witnessed and i'm even thinking about my teaching experience that was like the expectation to like kind of force yourself down on them but when you even think about how do we talk to each other as adults and think about if you got into a fight with someone, like you, it just keeps going. It requires someone to be that steady, calm person to bring the other one down to their level. And that's what I like to talk about as well as thinking about your children as like human beings who deserve the same respect and consideration that you would give to another adult or like a stranger on the street. I think it's as well as it's knowing. Um, so a weird, a weird thing. Some people know this about me. Some people don't. So I've actually got a background in in comedy. Like I um, did stand up oh. when I was at uni, and those sorts of things. So, and I think there's um, 
bizarrely a, a significant overlap between the strategies that you use as a as a comic and the strategies that you use as a parent um, and as a psychologist. But it is that thing of actually knowing your audience and knowing who you're talking to. Um, yeah. And it's recognising that it's not just about being able to um, parent. My, my father-in-law's just arrived and I don't think the rest of my family is home, so I'm just going to let him know. Um, the, on the call, <laughs> it's, it's, he's building my the rest of my office. I'm in my beautiful new home office, Ta-da. Um, but it has no so external exciting. walls, so it, it looks very finished, but it's very much not. Um, <laughs> you chose the good spot for this today. <laughs> yeah. um, so train of thought there. Yeah. So that idea of you need to, we, we need to have that recognition that our our, our children are people, um, mm. but also knowing that they're not just mini adults. Um, that they're not they they don't have the same capacity that we do um, for some of some of these there's some core skills that they are missing or don't have as fully developed as what we do as adults so things mm. like mental time travel little kids are not good at traveling through time um, perspective taking they actually cannot see it from your point of view they don't have that theory of mind development depending what age child we're talking about and it comes online in different ways um, so I've seen here, someone's just put in the comments, when I take a breath, when I need to take a breath and, my, and walk away, my daughter follows me and screams um, to get to where I am. Um, she, I feel, I get she feels abandoned, but what should I do? And there's that thing of recognising that when you walk away, that she doesn't, depending on the age of your daughter, is it will be hard for her to disconnect from you physically. So that can be one of those things of going, how can I take a break mentally even if I can't leave the space physically mm. and looking at that sense of when we feel powerless in a situation is looking at which bits of this um, can I control. Okay, so she's four. So some of that actually um, labelling, like just doing a, like sports casting, just saying out loud what's going on mm-hmm. inside um, to you. So it can be, you know, when you're screaming, I find this, this noise is too loud for me. Um, like, I need to step away. This noise is too loud. You're being too loud. I want to stay with you. You want me to stay with you. You want me to stay with you. I need you to, to lower your voice. When you are screaming that loud, I need to move away from you. If you want me to stay, I need you to lower your voice. Um, or just, mm-hmm. I'm taking a moment. I'll be right back. I'm not going. I'm hitting pause. A big tool that can really help, particularly for around that four-year-old, is differentiating between stop and pause. Because when they see mm. you walking away, they have no concept of how long it is that you're going to be gone and yeah. how what this, for them, it's just you're gone um, or you're disconnecting, that they don't get that it's temporary. Um, so giving them some sort of anchor to give it a time cue, sometimes that can be for them to be able to able to have a visual representation or like, you know, I'm going away to count to 10 mm-hmm. is letting them know, mummy's going away to count to 10. You count to 10 and I'll be back. Mummy um, mm-hmm. needs to take a breath. You sing this song and by the time you finish your song, I'll be back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going for this amount of time. I'm going to do, I'm doing my five, five breaths. Um, so that they can actually, and even if you need to, to start with, do that with them present. Um, And it can be looking as as well as if if there's that sensory overwhelm and you can't remove yourself physically, what else can I do to manage that sensory overwhelm right here in Mm. this moment? Um, Headphones, earplugs are one of my most underrated parenting resources I think that we can ever have, is when I had a house with a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a newborn, I get really sensory, um, like auditorily, yeah. like I've got a bit of misophonia, like like sucky, like eating noises and things. I still yep. say to my mom, yep. can, 
can you just stop breathing so loud? That's why he had to build me a home office because we were working in a shared office space since the start of yeah. the year. And I was like, oh, I, cannot, I can just hear you all of the time. Yeah. Um, and it's like but the it children like when... are making noise, their toys are making noise, the TV in the background is making noise, the, someone's mowing the lawn. I've noticed that about myself as well. Because we yeah. get a lot of sensory overload. The range hood on my um, stove. It took me ages to realize that one of the things I found so agitating about preparing dinner was the rain, the white noise from the range hood. Um, so it is that thing of looking, going, how can I bring it, bring it down if I can't switch it off? So it's not mm. about drowning them out so that you can ignore them, but lowering the volume so yeah. that you can cope with being present. Mm. Um, and I like what you so said can... before about talking to your children about it, because that's something I do with my daughter. She's a screamer. And so we, one day I realized it's okay to say to her, like you're hurting our ears. Like it actually is. Um, and so I talked to her about how it's okay to cry and be upset, but you can't scream in my ears. And so if you're wanting a cuddle right now, you're going to have to stop yeah. screaming so I can give you a cuddle. And so it's respecting that we're allowed to say that as well. Yeah, because they don't have that perspective taking yeah. ability. They actually don't know what it feels like. And um, that is so a social they, skill to learn. They do need to learn that social yeah. skill, but you can't just scream around mm. people and hurt their ears like that. Yeah. And it's one of those things I think, like the language I'll often use with my kids is too, is like, when I hear your screams, I can't hear your words. Mm. Like, yes. or, or I, can't, like, I, I can't hear what you want. All I can hear is the screams. The screams are so loud, it makes it hard to understand you. Um, and whether that's even like, because it is that thing, it's the reality of it. If your child is actually screaming at you in distress, even if they're just going, ah, it's actually hard to hear their distress because yeah. all you can hear is the sensory reaction within mm -hmm. yourself. Like you become too loud to be able to process what's going on for them. Mm -hmm. So it's feeding that back in an age-appropriate way. When you're like that, I actually get like being, when you do that, it makes me feel yucky and I can't mm -hmm. be here for because I'm feeling like I just need to, So if you can bring that down, I can bring it. I want to be, mm -hmm. and it's that, um, I used to work in drug and alcohol and many eons ago. Um, and one of the things we talked about there was that kind of, because again, someone who is detoxing is probably at a similar emotion yeah. regulation state as a three or four year old, is yeah. that idea of when we, when we communicate with them is really kind of laying it out in that framework. When this happens, I feel like this. We mm -hmm. need this, so let's this. And yeah. it's a nice little framework with your kids. When you scream, I, I get, and you can find a word that fits for you. So I'll say to my kids, I bristle. It's like when you're screaming, oh, yeah. I bristle. Um, we want to talk to each I want to help you. You want my help. Like this, we want to be connected. So let's mm. calm down. Like let's let's mm. quiet. Let's see. Let's or let's you know let's mm. bring this down. And it'll be the same thing I'm doing drug and alcohol, right? When you swear at me, I worry about my safety. I want to be able to talk you through this. So I need you to look like I need you to to be respectful with your words. Mm. Um, so, so it, it's that same thing. When this happens, I feel this, I need this, so let's this. Yeah. Um, and it's a nice thing and it, it's one of those things is that the speeches that we remember are the ones we rehearse. It's what we practice. Mm -hmm. um, so it can be even like writing that framework out. And if you can't do it in the moment, do it afterwards and learn your lines. Yeah. When you're screaming, I, I get edgy, I, I, I get bristly, I get – and see if they can come up with a word or, or something that creates that shared understanding. Mm. I want to stay. I want to stay. So let's let's mm. let's instead, let's do this. Um, 
Mm. You know, and it can be giving them an alternate behaviour too because they might not know what's another way when they're in that really heightened state of what else they can do other than screaming. So mm. it can be that, like, you've got all this energy that needs to come out, but where else can it go? And as mm. parents, we can think about this too. When you want to scream, what else can you do with that big feeling? You notice me doing this because that's kind of my grounding thing. It's like going, let's push it into the ground. Like, let's just feel my feet. Let me just drop all that weight that's currently here, that tension that's here. Let me just drop it. And mm. drop it down into my feet, mm. drop it down into the ground. And so for kids, it can be like when that screen's trying to come out here, can we take it and can we just drop it down into the ground? Mm. Um, and get your body, make your body as heavy as you can, because actually for a child to make their body heavy means they have to relax their muscles. Mm. Um, so it's a great kind of progressive muscle technique. Um, yeah. But also gives us like you be so heavy, be so heavy that you drop everything into the earth, like drop all of it on the ground, be the heaviest you can be <clears throat> and let it out that way rather than just verbally, which often mm. doesn't actually release much anyway. So, yeah, because they're like kinesthetic um, learners. They need to understand it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so and so before when you were talking about me. regulating ourselves first, what mm. does that look like? Like, So what are some of the quick, easy things that we can do to re make sure we're calm and regulated before responding to them? So if we had to walk away, so what kind of things would we be doing? So I think part of it, too, is recognize, like listening to what you say to your children because chances are whatever you're telling them, you probably need as well. Mm, um, yeah. So even things like I was talking to a friend about this recently where it's like when their child is screaming at them, get away from me, go away from me, is even just being able to say to them, you don't need my help right now. Mm. You don't want me right now. But believing that. Mm. like actually hearing that when you say that to them it's like when they say go away it's like okay you don't want my help because I think especially for those of us motivated to want to be really helpful to mm. our kids and to help regulate them all it's really hard for us to accept oh they don't actually need my assistance in this moment what they need mm. is some space um or even so it's like you know you can go to your room if you need some space it's like they can go to their room if they yeah. need some space hearing what it is that you're saying and believing it. And that's that reparenting. Um, mm. You know, it's okay for you to be angry. Because if you're saying to your kids, it's okay for you to be angry, it's okay for you to be upset, is so often we say that to them while we're actually going, but hurry up and calm down because I don't like it when you're upset. Um, yeah. And if I say this yeah, to you, it'll stop you from like crying. It. <laughs> it's like I'm going to tell you that it's okay for you to be upset so that you'll stop crying soon uh, mm. and be okay. Um so it's that thing of actually listening to what it is that you're saying to them and believing it and going, what does it feel like if I hear that too? Yeah. Um, so if you're saying to your child, you know, it's all right, you're tired, it's been a long day, hearing that and <laughs> just going, oh, yeah, it's okay, it's, you're tired, it's been a long day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... I think it's those things of, of what it is, listening to what it is that you need in that moment. What do I need in order to be okay? Um, and I think sometimes it's, I guess, in terms of practical tools, one of the things that I'll do as well is looking at, is this a problem for soothing or for solving? Mm. You know, is this something that, um, so if my kid is upset about not getting the colour cup that they want, is going to go, okay, is this something for soothing or for solving? And if I'm at home, if the colour cup that they want was just further down the pile, it's like if you don't want that colour cup, you could choose a different one. Mm. Um, like recognise, like this is a problem you can solve. Yes. Um, so you don't have to, and that's that pick your battles, um, yes. is you don't have to have a fight. You don't have to make everything. Like, mm. like there are times where, especially disappointment, 
your kids will have plenty of opportunities mm. in their life to be disappointed. You do not need to create artificial opportunities for them to experience disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> they get said no to plenty. Um, mm. So if it's solvable, it's modeling to them how they solve it. Um, you know, this is a problem you can solve by yourself. You know, you don't, you actually don't need to scream about it because if the cups that you want is there, you can just get a different one. You can pick yeah. it for yourself. Um, but you can ask for it. If you don't like that colored cup, you can ask me for a different one so that it's not just if they're screaming at you like, I don't want this one. Okay, we'll have this one. Going, if you don't want that color cup, you can ask me for the different yeah. color. It's like problem so solving, getting, like help yeah. them figure out how to solve that problem and, themselves. And giving them that opportunity to solve it for yeah. themselves. So first thing is, is this solvable? Is this solvable? Or, or if it's not solvable, then is it for solving or for soothing? Because if it's a problem yeah. that you can't solve, then we switch to soothing. How, how, do I, yeah. how do I help you be okay with the fact that this isn't okay? You know, yeah, you and not everything's so. going to be solvable, which is just part yeah. of life, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes there'll be things that are, are solvable, that we're choosing not to solve because mm -hmm. their problem, but create a problem for us. So, for example, it might be yep. breastfeeding your two and a half year old when you're just about to get to the checkout at the supermarket and they want to breastfeed, and you're like, "I just want to get this stuff through the checkout, then I'll sit down and have a breastfeed with you." Um, so, in that moment, you might choose that you are not going to give them a breastfeed. You could solve that problem. Mm. You, know, you could just get your breast out and feed them. Um, but it might be that there's something more important to you in that moment that says, no, actually, mm. I'm solving that problem for you, but I'm creating a problem yeah. for me. Or this is this is an option. This is something that's solvable, but you don't actually need that lesson. At the moment, mm. what you need is, is to know that, you know, you can wait, um, that there are two people in this relationship. So it's yeah. thinking about in your own mind, what am I trying to achieve here? And once you've chosen you know, commit to it, that it's yes. that thing of going, nope, it's okay. I don't need to soothe them by solving. I can soothe them without solving. Mm. And so um, because I think that's where we can get really stuck when we're trying to implement a behavioural change for our own needs and we can feel like I'm making them distressed mm. because I'm not I, – I, and, and because from a two-year-old's perspective, they're like, you know what I want. You can give me what I want. And you're not giving me what I want. Yeah. Um, so it's that them actually having to learn, yes, sometimes people will make decisions that you're not happy with. Yeah. And part, part of the human experience is learning how to sit with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so important. And we need to learn that it's okay if they're upset about a boundary that we're setting. Mm -hmm. they're, it's okay yes. that they're upset. We, they should not, we shouldn't be expecting them to be happy and content all the time either. Yep. And also that they will never be able to hold a boundary that you can't hold. Mm. You, you, you know, your child will never be better at holding a boundary than you are, especially mm. when they're two or three. So how do you yeah. expect them to have? <laughs> how do you expect them to have better um, delayed gratification than what you do? And if you're going, oh, this would be so much easier if I just give you a boob. Mm. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to expect them to be able to go? Well, I'm just going to keep holding out that they're not going to hold a boundary that you can't hold. Mm. Um, and it's not fair. It's not fair to expect our ch our children, our small children, to be able to hold a boundary that mm. we struggle with. Um, and so I think that's a part of that self-compassion, those flows of compassion as well, is going, oh, I find this hard. Yeah, this is hard. It's not going to be easier for them. And it's not fair for me to go, like, my life would be so much easier if they would just respect the boundaries that I set. If they would just hold mm -hmm. these boundaries, yeah. I would be having an easier time. And it's like, yep. And the fact that yeah. you can't hold them, they're not going to be better at it than what you are. 
And if you want more from Amanda, make sure you go check her out at Spilt Milk Psychology. Thank you so much, Amanda, for sharing all your wealth of knowledge today. I feel like we could have talked about that all day long. Um, and yes, make sure you go and check her out to get more information. If you're in Brisbane, you can go and see her as well. Um, she has her website that you can check out. I'll make sure to link everything after this.